Well, good morning, Southview Baptist. How are we? Welcome. Glad that you are here. Uh, if you're a guest with us, uh, thank you for worshiping with us today. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. It's so good to have you with us today. Uh, on this rainy day, I think we're going to have to start a new ministry, Ark Building, um, because it has just been nuts the last few weeks. We're glad that you're here with us today. If you are a guest, we would love to connect with you. Best and simplest way you can do that is to simply grab your cell phone and text the word CONNECT to the number on the screen, 910-424-1298. Just text CONNECT there. We'll send you a link, tap on that, answer a couple of quick questions, and send it back to us just so we can know that you were here, how we can minister to you in the best way possible. We would love for you to do that. And I have three big announcements I want to throw your way before we jump in and worship together, all right? So here are our big three for the week, three big things we want you to know. Number one is this, this coming weekend, we're having kind of a fellowship weekend for men and women, all right? Uh, Friday evening, uh, February 5th, we're going to have a ladies game night. Uh, you can, uh, to sign up for that, text the word GAME to 910-424-1298, text GAME, so they'll have an idea of how many ladies are coming, but come for that, be a part of that. Uh, game night this coming Friday, and then Saturday morning, we're going to have a men's breakfast, 8 a.m., so you can text breakfast, guys, for that, to sign up for that, 910-424-1298. Second big announcement is this. We'd encourage everyone to please download the Southview Baptist Church app. You can do that via Google Play or the Apple Store. Uh, download the Southview app. On that app, you're going to be able to uh, see previous services. You're going to be able to engage in services. You're going to be able to download and see the the sermon notes for today, you're going to be able to give online, you're going to be able to give prayer requests, uh, fill out forms to sign up for things, see about upcoming events. All of those things are going to be funneled through the app, so we encourage you, download that app. You can do it right here, right now. It's super easy. Download the Southview app so you can stay plugged in and connected there. And then big thing number three, starting next Sunday, the first Sunday of February, we're going to begin a new sermon series in the book of Acts. Uh, very excited. So my encouragement for you this week is to spend the week reading and praying through the book of Acts. Just take a little bit of time, a little bit of each day, reading through the book of Acts, praying over that and asking the Lord to uh, um, reveal himself to you through his word and empower us as we gather together over the next several months to uh, look at the book of Acts together. Uh, but today for our worship time, I want to focus in specifically on us. So in just a second, we're going to sing a song this song is called Resurrecting. The idea behind this song is that God does the impossible. Right? God and God alone is able to take sorrow and turn it into joy. Take pain, turn it into peace. Take something that is completely dead and bring it to new life again. And, and, and we sing this song because we praise God for who he is and what he's done. And we want it to be a teaching and encouraging point for you. This is who our God is. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus is speaking. And he's talking about rich, a rich man becoming a Christian. And the idea is that we're all basically the rich man. And his disciples look at Jesus and say, how can this even be possible? How can this man do what you're asking him to do? How can he 
be saved. And Jesus responds to him in Matthew 19, 26, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. This morning, what we would like for you to do is take just a couple of minutes and set your hearts meditating on our glorious and amazing God. That with you, whatever it is, is impossible. Right? Step one is admitting that. But with God, all things are possible. So let's just bow our heads just for a moment. I want to pray over us as we start worshiping together. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you that you are a a constant reminder to us. I thank you that the world reminds us constantly that with us it is impossible. That's a good thing. I pray, God, you would rid us from the belief that with us it is possible. I pray, God, that you would, by your grace, prune that out of our lives, that belief. But then supplant it, Lord, with the truth that with you all things are possible. That with you sorrow does turn to joy. And in times of heartache and pain, we can have peace. And that situations relationships and circumstances lives that seem dead and buried and over and impossible for a return I praise God thank you Lord and empower us to see and believe that with you all things are possible and you bring life to things that are dead fill this up in your people here today as we're worshiping you Lord we pray this in Jesus name Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together. Good morning, church. Let's sing and give praise to the name above all names. There that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with The Savior knelt to wash our feet, now at his feet we bow. The one who wore our sin and shame, now
Isn't that amazing, church? The resurrected king. And we sing a new song today. The name is only a holy God. And I'm reminded in scripture where God says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. He says, bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. He says, but I am the Lord, your God. You know no God but me. And beside me, besides me, there is no Savior. So maybe maybe the, the truth is that we need to reorient ourselves so that our God is the one true God, that all things fall away, so that when we come together and we offer praise and offer worship, it is acceptable to a holy and a righteous and a resurrecting God. Let's sing together.
rescue us. Save us from ourselves, God. Father, I pray for the marriage right now here today in this room that is struggling. I pray that you would heal them by pointing them back to you. I pray for sickness. That your hand would be upon those situations. We thank you for that truth. I pray for chains to be broken, for sin to be cast away. I pray for your people to pray for deliverance, for sanctification, for holiness. I pray that we would find joy in you alone. I pray that you would crush the enemy and you would build up your name through your people who are made for a time such as this. Let us stand and sing and worship. Let us fall on our knees in prayer. Let us turn back to you. Rescue us, Lord. In Christ's name we say. I need you, Jesus, come to my rescue.
Well, as we continue on worshiping God in prayer, we use as our model what Jesus told us to use as our model, and that's what's often called the Lord's Prayer. You see it in Matthew 6 in its fullest form. And as you kind of go through Matthew chapter 6, you get to the to the last line there. And Jesus says in prayer that we ask to be delivered from the evil one. There, there is an aspect of prayer where we are, it's, it's, it's warfare. And so we're, we're asking God to intervene in our behalf. We are surrounded by evil. We see it everywhere. However, for the people of God, we are not to be hopeless, but hope-filled when it comes to the evil of this world. We know that one day God will ultimately bring to an end all that is evil. But in the meantime, our responsibility, given to us by Jesus, is to pray offensively for darkness, evil to be pushed back in the kingdom of God to prevail. Uh, One of the best ways to do that is to pray through the scriptures. And I want to give you an example today and, and, and let us practice that together, praying together. Psalm 130, verses 7 and 8. It says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with him, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem all Israel from its iniquities. What I want to encourage you to do, in fact, my wife Marie, she leaned over to me just a few minutes ago and said that she was actually doing this just a few moments ago with someone. But inserting a person, a place, a situation, a circumstance name in the scriptures and praying over them. So if you look at Psalm 137 and 8 and kind of think of some blanks, here's what this would look like. Oh, blank, who are you praying for? The person, the situation, the place, Fayetteville, Cumberland County, Hope Mills, your school, your work, your family. Oh, blank, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him there is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem blank from all its iniquities. I want to encourage you just to bow your heads just for a moment. Let's, let's pray over this together, okay? For you. Who are you praying for? The person, the place, the circumstance, the situation. Who are you praying for and asking that God would redeem them, God would deliver them, God would show his steadfast love to them so that they can be made new, be made whole, be made right, set free from all their iniquities. I've got one in my mind I'm praying for, and I encourage you to do the same. Let's take just a minute, let's pray together. Just you right now.
owe Southview Baptist Church hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Southview from all of its iniquities. Lord, I pray over your people here this morning. God, that you would place in us a a drive for warfare praying. Praying for your kingdom to come and evil to be pushed back and that we would be delivered from the evil that is around us. God, empower us, fill us to be a people who walks this walk and prays like this. And then we're going to see much fruit come as a result. Do this in us, Lord God, for your glory. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, hey if you've got a Bible, let's find John 15, okay? John 15. So we're finishing up today a series through John 15 we're calling Bearing Fruit. We've been looking at the fact that it is God's desire that you would bear fruit, that God wants you to bear fruit through abiding in Christ, through having his word abiding in you, through you abiding in his love. He has set you up in such a way, planted you in the ground that you are currently in right now because that's the best way for you to bear fruit. And today we're going to finish that up and talk about an indispensable part of fruit bearing, and that's is the process of pruning. All right, so John 15, we're going to do the first three verses today. John 15, 1 through 3. All right, so let's read that together. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. I want us to focus on verse 2, and and specifically for a few moments, that last sentence, that last line in verse 2. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. That's going to be where we really drill down in today. So here's our big idea, all right? Our big idea for today is God loves you so much that he will do anything necessary in order for you to bear as much fruit as possible. God loves you so much that he will do anything he has to do in order for you to bear as much fruit as you possibly can by the power of his spirit. God loves you exactly the way that you are. If you grew exponentially in your walk with the Lord, he would not love you any more than he does right now. If you spent the next year in 2021 struggling mightily in your walk with the Lord, he wouldn't love you any less. God loves you perfectly right now, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. God loves you exactly the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. And he will do anything, anything he has to do in order to see you bear as much fruit as possible. And that's where this idea of pruning comes in. Look again at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. Specifically, we're going to look at that word prunes, all right? So 
But if you're a gardener, what is pruning? Pruning is a gardening technique used to cut away certain branches in order for that plant, that tree, that bush, whatever, to grow, bear more fruits, and be healthier. Pruning is a vital gardening skill. If you do not prune a plant, a tree, a bush, it's going to grow wild and crazy, and it actually will become diseased, unhealthy, and ultimately probably die. The correct kind of pruning, pruning the right limbs in the right way at the right time, allows a tree to bear multiplied more fruit than they ever would have otherwise. So with pruning, there, there are several kinds of branches that you want to sh- cut off, right? Uh, sometimes there are dead branches, that, branches that for whatever reason used to bear fruit and be alive, but now they're not. But now they're just clogging up the place, right? They're, they're, they're blocking sunlight, they're blocking healthy branches from growing, so those need to be cut out. Sometimes there are branches that are growing in the wrong direction, and they're going to rub up against other branches, they're going to block out sunlight. Those branches need to be cut off. Uh, sometimes there's what's called a sucker branch. A sucker branch, if, like if you have any bushes or whatever at your house, you can probably go and see these things. So you got at the base of your, your, your bush, your plant, your tree, you have this little thing that shoots off right out at the base. Right? It's called a sucker branch. Just poof. you got to cut that thing off. Why? Because it's right there at the base. It's going to immediately, it's the first one to take as many nutrients as possible. It's going to suck it all up, not bear any real fruit. And then the rest of the tree, bush, plant can't get as much as it needs. So those sucker branches got to be cut off. This gardening process is vital for a plant, a bush, a tree to bear lasting fruit. And in the same way, spiritual pruning is vital for you to bear fruit. You will not, you will not bear fruit, lasting, true, multiplying fruit, apart from God pruning you. So, we got to really kind of dive into this thing today, see what's going on, see what's happening, all right? So, let's focus in on verse 2, again, and we're going to kind of pick this thing apart a little bit. Every branch in me that bears fruit, he ta- every, does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Let's kind of walk through this a little bit, step by step, and see what we have here, okay? All right, so we're going to ask and answer a couple of questions. Question number one, who experiences pruning? Answer, all Christians. If you are a Christian, you are going to get pruned. That is just the way that is. How do we know that? Jesus told us, right there in verse 2. Every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes. Every. All of them. That means you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to be pruned. Well, who does the pruning? Luckily, he tells us. Who does the pruning? God. Every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes. If you would go back up to verse 1, it tells us that God, our loving heavenly dad, is the great gardener. Scripture tells us he's the great physician. He's also the great gardener. He's the one who does the cutting. He's the one who does the pruning. When you're going through trials and tribulations, stop automatically thinking Satan is picking on you. It could be God is just trying to prune you. 
When you're going through a difficult time with a person, stop thinking, well, if they would just stop being like that, I wouldn't be so angry. Or, this is the process in which God is trying to prune anger out of you. He's trying to prune selfishness out of you. He's trying to prune pride out of you. He's trying to prune defensiveness out of you. God uses these people. There are certain people God has placed in your life. He has put them there to be grace growers and pruning instruments. He is doing the pruning. He wants to do this in you. He wants to accomplish this. It's a mindset shift, okay? We have to believe, again, John 15, 16. We looked at this a few weeks ago. You were chosen by God, and you were planted by God in the perfect place for you to bear the most fruit possible. Believe that everything that touches your life, Everything that touches your life is desired to be used by God to prune you and make you more like Jesus. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Verse 29 tells us what the good is that he's doing. What's the good that he's doing? Making you more like Jesus. Everything. We need to start to see everything as God's opportunity. Prune us and shape us and mold us and make us and have us look more like Jesus. The question is, are you going to allow God the great gardener to do that? Third question, what exactly is pruning? What does it mean to be pruned? So three preliminary thoughts just to kind of throw your way, just to kind of get you in this direction. First is this, pruning means removing by definition, right? If you're a gardener and you're pruned, you are cutting something away. You are taking it away. Spiritual pruning is the same thing. Spiritual pruning is God taking something away from you. Now, it could be something um, innately, obviously sinful, right? It could be uh, a sinful activity, right? Uh, uh, Sexual immorality, uh, drunkenness, gossip. Right? Those, are, those are obvious sins you are committing, actions, sinful acts that you're doing, that God desires to cut out of your life. There could be sinful attitudes, anger, frustration, bitterness, sinful attitudes, sinful thought processes that God is desiring to cut out of your life. Sometimes it's things that aren't necessarily sinful. Sometimes they're actually, on their surface, pretty good things that God wants to cut out of your life. There are times. Where God is going to cut a friend out of your life. That is going to happen. Every one of us, if you've been a Christian for longer than 10 minutes, there's been someone you were super duper duper close to, and for whatever reason you're not any longer. And I believe that is an act of God. Even if there was sin involved, even if there was something crazy involved, God desires to use that to prune something in you. Sometimes I've seen... People, they're just so unbelievably involved in church with ministries and Bible studies every night of the week. You're never actually able to be around your family or any lost people to share the gospel with. And God comes in and cuts ministries out of your life. No, you got to stop doing that. You don't need to go to a 14th Bible study this week. How about go do the things you're learning? We become spiritual bulimics. Getting fed, getting fed, getting fed, getting fed, getting fed, and then puking it up in the parking lot before we actually apply any of it. Sometimes he's cutting that stuff out of your life and says, no, 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 you need to not do so much. You need to go be this. 
right? So there's a, there's a cutting process. There's a removing in pruning. Uh, second, pruning is not punishment. Got to get this. Pruning is not punishment. Pruning is not you being bad and being stuck in the corner. Pruning is the process in which God is seeking lovingly, graciously, kindly to work truth into your life. Now, there may be discipline involved, but there's a difference between discipline and punishment, right? Punishment is you did the crime, so do the time. It doesn't matter what your heart is now. Discipline is different. Discipline is corrective. Discipline is putting you on the right path, and when you're there, by God's grace, let's walk that path. Discipline may be involved with pruning, but not punishment. Punishment was given to Jesus on the cross for you. You don't get punished anymore. Now, you might be disciplined graciously by God to walk the path, but your punishment was taken by Jesus. Pruning isn't punishment. And third, pruning produces health. In fact, the word for pruning is kathairo. It's where we get a couple of English words. Cathartic, right? If something is cathartic, it's, it's, it's uh, therapeutic, right? It's healing. It's something good for me. We also get the word to carterize from this Greek word. So to carterize a wound, what's happening? You're going in there and you're, you're removing something, right? You're, you're bringing heat and pressure to clean out and seal up a wound so that it can be healthy and reproduce good cells and infection won't set in. This is how God is describing pruning. He's seeking to bring healing and wholeness to you. It isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. Uh, next question. What is the result of pruning? The result of pruning? Every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. God's desire is that you would bear more fruit. He wants to come into your life and let it be the, the fruit that he bears out in you to be overwhelmingly abundant. And he can only do that if he prunes. It's a good thing used by God to bear even more fruit. Uh, you see, that's also playing out if you look down at verse 3. So look at verse 3 for a second. Already you are clean because of the word that I have already spoken to you. So it's a neat little wordplay happening here. The word clean in verse 3 and the word prune in verse 2 are the same Greek word, kathairo. So literally what he's saying is this. You are already clean, so I'm cleaning you up more. What he means is this. Pruning is not a salvation issue. You're being pruned because you're a Christian. right? We saw in the beginning part of verse 2, we'll look at this a little more in depth in just a few moments. Every tree, every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he cuts away and burns. The fact that you're being pruned is proof that you are a follower of Christ. And he's seeking to clean and cut and prune so that you can bear out even more fruit. Something God is desiring to do in you to bring him glory. Be good for your life. So, how do we get the most from God's pruning? I give you three quick things. How do we get the most from pruning? Number one, have God's word abide in you. There's a reason why pruning is cutting. And in Hebrews uh, chapter 6, the Bible is referred to as a two-edged sword that cuts to the very heart of you. Right? This, these are the shears. Right? 
This is how God is going to cut through your life. And we talk about this all the time. And I want you just for a second, especially if you grew up in church, just listen to me just for a moment. Right? I, I grew up a 90s church group kid. I get it, all right? I had a WWJD bracelet and everything. Right? I'm all in. I had a WWJD bracelet and a True Love Weights ring. And we ignored all of it, but it doesn't matter. We were ingrained in us to have a quiet time, have a quiet time, have a quiet time, and yes. But, but I think what often happens was that just became this activity that we tried our best to do when we could. We didn't understand the real root of what was going on. We don't want to, what we seek to do here at Southview is not just tell you what to do, but the why and the heart and the foundation behind it. Because if you get that, then the what comes a little easier. Does that make sense? At the very root is this. You are a vine hooked to Jesus. And he and he alone can bear fruit out in your life. And the way he bears fruit out in your life, one of the ways is by pruning. And the only way he can prune you is if you spend time in his word, letting him do some cutting. This is vital. You will not bear fruit apart from this. You won't do it. It is not difficult to sit down with someone who's having a a tough time in life and very quickly discern that they are not spending time having God's word abide in their heart. It's a very easy thing to pick up. Having God's word abide in your heart changes you. You start to act and look and respond differently because it's a pruning tool used by God to cut away so that more fruit can bear out. Right? It's like if I don't abide with my razor. Like if I don't abide with my razor all week long and I come back here next Sunday, I'm going to have this big woolly thing going on. It's going to be very easy to tell super quick that I have not been abiding with my razor. In the same way, it's easy to tell when we're not allowing God's word to abide in our hearts. This is the tool God uses to do some cutting. Second, be open and submitted to the Holy Spirit's conviction and direction. God is seeking to prune in you. But it is possible for you as a follower of Christ to instead of opening yourself up and allowing God to do the cutting, you close yourself off and get bitter at the fact that he dares pick up scissors. And I've seen both. And again, if you've been in church long enough, you've seen it in both also. I know what it's like to look at someone who's a follower of Jesus Christ, and I know that they are, but they are at the same time absolutely eat up with bitterness. You can see it on their face. You can see it where they interact with certain people. You can see it in the way they try to worship. You can see it in the way they attempt to respond to things. What's going on there? This is an individual who has not allowed themselves to be pruned the way God wants to prune them. God is going to do his work. The question is, are you going to be open and receptive to what God is seeking to do? Don't grow bitter because God dares pick up scissors. Ask him to do in you all that he desires to do and trust that he's bearing out good fruit as a result. And third, no shocker if you've been here longer than two weeks, pursue intimacy with Jesus. Find a way to work that into every sermon. 
because I believe this is at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You are walking in genuine intimacy with Jesus. It is a relationship. You are abiding in him. He is abiding in you. We've seen it in John 15 over and over and over. Pursue intimacy with the Lord. That means time. That means effort. That means energy. That means prayer. That means time in the word. That means asking the Lord to speak to your heart throughout the day. Walking in intimacy with Jesus. For me in my life, Pruning has taken many forms. God used marriage to prune me. I didn't realize how selfish I was until I got married. I thought I was pretty selfless, right? Listen, I'm I'm really selfish. Then I get married. Marriage is like a reality show. It's God's first reality show. Take two sinners, throw them in a house, see what happens. Well, what happens is you realize I'm super selfish. I really care about me a lot. Marriage was used by God to prune that out of me. I, I didn't realize how um, um, impatient and easily, easily angered I was until I had children. Right? Like, I don't get mad. And then I had kids. Like, I just keep getting mad. Like, what is up with this? And when I am quick to respond in, in, in an unpatient, unkind, ungracious, ungentle way towards my children. That is not, and this is something God is continuously having to work in me. So I am chief among sinners. I stand in front of you say, hey, let's, let's help each other. My response cannot be simply from, well, if you would stop being ridiculous, I wouldn't have to be mad. Now, they need to stop being ridiculous. But God is looking to prune something out in me and this is significant when we're always thinking that everyone else has the problem and if they would just quit then i wouldn't or if they just wouldn't do this and this wouldn't be a problem for me if they hadn't done that then this person wouldn't have left me and if they did that we're always looking out at what everyone else should do differently that is a recipe for you never experiencing the full pruning of god that he desires to do in your life quit looking at everybody else God is going to take care of them. Let's chat about you. God is going to prune them. Let's let God pick up some scissors with you for a moment. Marie, talking with her about this, I asked her, I said, so what about pruning for your life? She said, well, for me, and I think it's true for ladies in general. She said relationships have been a big one. Relationships are a big pruning instrument for ladies, I think. I think it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 when sin came into the world and God pronounced the uh, curses. For men, the curse was predominantly on work. For ladies, it was about relationships, their husband and their kids. And I think you can broaden that out to other relationships as well. God uses relationships in your life to be a pruning instrument. Uh, my family moving here two years ago was a massive pruning moment for us in our family. That was not easy, and God used that to cut a whole lot. In the place that the only friends and family and church my children ever knew, especially for my older two, middle school and a high schooler, said, now come, and, and what we want to do, don't shield your children from pruning, all right? Every person that's mean to them isn't jealous of your 16-year-old daughter. Don't make, don't try to shield them from the pruning. Let 
God do the work. So we sat down with our kids and just said, yeah, it stinks. I probably used a different word at the time. Yeah, I know. But God is wanting to show us that we don't build our lives on people, we build our lives on Him. And regardless of what He wants to do and where He wants to take us, we can trust Him. And it's really hard when things that we love get cut out of our life, but God is wanting to bear out even more fruit in us. Oftentimes, things that need to be pruned out of your life come as a result of being injured or hurt in your heart. I, uh, several years ago, I broke my toe in just the stupidest way imaginable. I opened the back door to let the dog in, and I opened the door on my foot. Been opening doors for 40 years. Like, what happened? So I opened the door. Bam! As soon as it, as soon as it hit, I go to the ground. And I don't know about you, but when I get hurt, I feel the need to punch something. I don't know why that is. Right? It's just like, I just need, I need a wall. I need some good thing. The dog is outside, because I'm pretty sure that would be a target. And also, I don't know if this happens in your life, but so I'm doubled over, I'm, ah, and Maria's in the kitchen, and I can feel her wanting to laugh. Does that happen in your house too? Right? Someone gets hurt, and then immediately, like, you just can't help but laugh. Right? So I'm doubled over. I, can, I haven't even looked at it, but I can feel her over there, and I just go, just let it go, whatever, and then she loses it. So I broke my toe, and it was, oh, it was horrible. It just swole up and black and blue, a half my foot. And so for a couple of months, the fact that I injured my toe, it changed everything. It changed the shoes I wore. It changed how I walk. It changed how I exercised. I couldn't run. It changed how I played with my kids. They wanted to wrestle and fight. And like, no, stay off daddy's foot. Changed the way I slept. You ever had like a broken toe and you're sleeping? It's in the middle of the night. And you just roll over and that toe rubs up against the blanket. You sit up straight. It changed the way I slept. So what happened was, I injured my toe, I hurt my toe, and as a result of that, I literally changed the way I lived, almost subconsciously, to protect that toe and make sure it didn't get hurt again. Walk with me here, listen to me. In the same way, here's how a lot of things that need to be pruned out of our lives get in there. These branches that start shooting off in the wrong direction. Just like my toe, your heart gets hurt. So you start changing your life to make sure no one's going to hurt that ever again. You start building in defense mechanisms and walls around your heart to make sure that thing won't ever hurt me again. And these branches start shooting out. I'll give you a few ideas. Some branches that can start shooting off out of hurt. I'll give you a few. Exaggerating or bragging. Critical or negative attitude or speech, excuse making, excessive shyness, perfectionism, attention getting, compulsive work or busyness, religious activity, overcompensation, running away from problems or pressure, superficial relationships, using humor as a cover up, trouble with authority, repressed or indifferent feelings, sarcasm. Lack of communication or silent treatment. Um, destructive habits like overeating, smoking, drinking, things like that. What happens is these, these hurts happen in our hearts. And instead of dealing with them right away, we start allowing these defense mechanisms to grow. And, it, and what it does is it, it, it manages to keep people a little bit at a distance so that they can't get 
close enough to step on that hurt part of your heart. These are things that God needs to cut away. Let him do it. I'm going to ask our, our band to come up. And as they're doing that, I want to read two more quick verses from John 15. John 15, verse 2, again, that first part says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And then down in verse 6, he says, Anyone who does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch, and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. The branches that are taken away are branches that never really abided in the vine, they never grew any fruit, and that ultimately means they weren't Christian. And so as we've walked through the last several weeks of abiding in Christ and, and bearing out fruit, I need to ask the question, if you look at your life and you honestly can't see a ton of fruit that's grown from your walk with the Lord, maybe you don't have a walk with the Lord. Maybe you're not actually a Christian. Maybe the answer for you today is to say, Jesus, I see that I am not in you. I see that I am not bearing fruit. Take away my sin. Make me a part of you. Abide in me. I need you. Make me new. I'm going to ask you to just stand for a moment. I'm going to, I want to pray over us. Our band is going to lead us. And for you this morning, if you don't know Christ in this way, This morning, say, Jesus Christ, I know that you came, you died, you rose again to take away my sin, to make me new, and to bear out fruit in my life. I need you today. Save me from my sin. Make me new. I want to abide in you. Or if you are a Christian, as you walk through your, your Christ walk journey this week, the testing, the trial that comes into your life, Maybe we need to see these as times of pruning. Opportunities to let God cut away what he needs to cut away. So that we can be made new in him. Bear out even more fruit. Springtime is coming. Springtime is coming. And much fruit is going to come when that happens. Let God do his good work of cutting away what needs to be cut away. So that when the time comes, when the season is right, you're going to bear abundant fruit in Jesus. As our band leads us, you can come down front and pray. My wife and I will be up front. We'd love to pray with you if you need that. But let's take some time this morning and seek the Lord and ask him to speak to our hearts about what he desires to prune for his glory. Let's sing.
every single branch in Christ that bears fruit, he prunes so that it can bear even more fruit. And this is exactly God's desire and plan for you. This is his plan for your life. That he would prune what needs to be pruned. You trust him in that process so you can bear out even more fruit and glorifying God and looking more like Jesus. As we leave here today, I want to encourage you to trust the Lord as he prunes and does what he needs to do. One of the things that he prunes, one of the things that he seeks to bear out fruit is uh, our generosity or giving. Uh, we want to give you a chance to do that. You can do that either in the locations as you leave the sanctuary or through the Southview app, either way that you'd like. But we encourage you to do that. I want to pray for us, pray for our offering, pray for you that God bears out much fruit in your life. If you're a guest, we'd love to meet you. My wife and I will be up front here. Please come up, say hello so we can put a name with a face. We love you guys with all of our hearts. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you bear out fruit in us. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust that if we abide in you, have your word abide in us, abide in your love, and trust you as you do the pruning process, we are going to bear more and more and more and more and more and more fruit for your glory. We thank you for that. I pray, God, that the truth of this reality becomes so embedded into our hearts, we're excited to see the fruit that you're going to bear out in us as we trust you in this process. I pray, God, for the offerings that are given this week. I pray, God, that you would use them to glorify your name, both here in our community and around the world. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week.